Hey there, it's Kim Doyle, and welcome to my show, where digital marketing meets real stories, experiences, and strategies. You'll get a behind-the-scenes look at what's working and not working in my business, as well as other experts who show up and share their stories. As much as I love talking about tangible marketing principles and tactics, we'll dig a little deeper with mindset and explore what's required to create a business you love on your terms that also supports your life. I want to help you understand the why behind the how. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just dipping your toes in, remember, marketing is a journey and the goal is to enjoy it. My desire is to guide you on your journey and remind you that no matter what life throws at you, you've got this. Hey, what up? And welcome to another episode of The Kim Doyle Show. I am really excited about today's topic because it is near and dear to my heart. I probably say, I probably so. Let's try that again. I probably say I'm excited every other episode <laughs> for what it's worth. Um, this year's off to a great start and it's feeling really fantastic despite the fact that I'm freezing my arse off. But more on that later, but not too much more, I promise. Today's episode is 127 and we are talking about choosing one primary marketing objective. Hint, it should be email. We're going to get into all of that, plus my plan and a little bit more mindset stuff about money specifically. So let's jump into it, shall we? Oh, and there's a little tease here. So I'm going to suggest you listen till the very end. And uh, note to self, um, I have to make a note. Hold on. So if you're watching this, um, <laughs> because sometimes I'll say things and then I forget. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the episode. But before we jump into why you should choose one primary marketing objective, that should be email. Um Let's talk a little bit about some things I've noticed as the new year has started. And one thing that has me really excited about the new year, and meaning this time of year, just turning over the new leaf, et cetera, et cetera, um, is, and I'm excited about the year in on as a whole, right? In a, as a, on a whole. Wow, you guys, what are we like 30 seconds in? Here we go. <laughs> um, but what's gotten me really excited is that there seems to be a broad desire in the marketing space for things to change. Can I just hallelujah, amen, yes, thank you to everybody who feels the same way. A few things have contributed to this. The last three years, obviously, um, have been a little nuts just across the globe, which in turn has made people feel weary. That's my, that's the word that I tend to use when you just feel that like, oh my God, is this ever going to end, right? That feeling of uh, drudgery, that like we're walking through sludge. It's There's been a bit of that, right? And also three minutes in and we're at the first right. Anyway, um, of course, it's not all been gloom and doom. Even if we have to make a conscious effort to seek out what's good, um, and it, which is totally worth it, by the way, to curate your life, not just social feeds, but the stuff you listen to, the stuff you watch, the people you spend time with. Curate your life, you guys. Focus on how you feel when you consume certain things and when you're around certain people. I just, I think it's vitally important. But here's the thing. I think we can all agree that the last few years have just been a lot. In terms of the digital marketing and creator space, the bottom line is that the space has matured. I don't know when internet marketing officially started, right? Like I jumped in in 2008. I think there were people doing this, you know, around 2000 and tested. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. 
That would be a good Google question or chat GPT. But people are more educated about how everything works. They're burnt out from the hype promises, the big launches, and this idea that you have to strive towards millions. Excuse me, I should say billions now because that's, I'm sorry, but this episode with Nathan Berry episode podcast, Nathan Berry and Rachel Rogers of, I don't remember what it's called, but it's now it's about billionaires. And it's just like, oh, for the love of God. Um, <laughs> so much for, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to go sideways, but I, I personally doesn't resonate with me at all. And that's the beauty of marketing the internet and business is to each their own. And here's the other thing. I have no judgment if you want millions. I do too. But you're not going to see me driving Lambos or posting pictures of mansions. That still exists. I think it's uh, a lot less than it used to be because of the backlash. It was this initial of, oh my God, look at what the internet can create. And whether or not you wanted those things, there was this element of, wow, the internet can create wealth. And it can. It can. You just have to work harder at it. Um not to mention there's a massive distrust of government and media, I think, across the board in many countries. I, I can only speak for the United States, but I think it's across the board in a lot of different countries. And so we're learning to rely on ourselves, which is a beautiful thing because that's where real strength comes from. And alignment, you know, a few episodes back, I talked about uh, this conflict I'd had with somebody I love, and it was um, talking about taking complete and total responsibility for everything in our life. So it always comes back to what can I control? I can't change other people. I can't change the freaking snowy cold weather that's outside my window right now. Because it's nuts. I walked my dog. I mean, I walk her, but like the other day I had to wear, I put on three pairs of socks and I had, you know, I've uh, released some weight last year. And so I was able to put on like some, you know, workout leggings underneath a pair of jeans that have gotten too big, like just bundling. And I'm wearing my bows when I walk because I keep my ears warm. My dad was mentioning, I, and I'm going to get back on track, but my dad was mentioning he ran into one of the neighbors who said her feet are always cold and she'd gotten these boots and they're lined with fur. I'm all, no, I, don't, I just don't want to be where it's cold. So that's a little hint to my tease for the end of the episode. But, um, you know, I've seen a lot of New Year's posts about people wanting to remove things as opposed to kicking ass and taking names, which is something I've said on more than one occasion. But, you know, when I think about what I want in my life, this is going to come into what I'm sharing next is I, I want a quality of life that allows me time really time and money freedom, I should say, you know, that that's a drive for me with money is besides making sure there's plenty in retirement and all that stuff. And would it be great to leave a legacy for my kids? Of course, but I know that they can create their own. Also, it's more about freedom. And I love to be able to buy back my time. And so every year I choose a new word and I've, I chose my word for 2024 in December of last year. And it's something that's sacred to me. So it's not something I'm going to share here. Um, but rest assured, of course, it's a positive word. And it's fun to, when I look back, I started doing this in 2015, maybe, and I integrate it into passwords. So it's not my password. It's a, sometimes it's a piece of it, but, um, you know, it's fun when I look back on the words I've chosen and I can think about, oh yeah, that's, that's what my desire was that year based on the word I chose. Anyway, 
So this year, I've also chosen a money word. I was listening to a podcast episode with Kendall Summerhawk, excuse me, yesterday. Why is it? I must talk too quick or something. I'm like taking in all this air that creates this need to like burp when I'm podcasting. What the pocket? Anyway, so I was listening to an episode with Kendall Summerhawk. And if you're not familiar with her, she is a money coach for women. She's been in this space like 20 years. I remember when I was getting started and kind of started finding female coaches. She has been doing this for a very long time. And I'd kind of forgotten about her. Excuse me, until I'm downing water as I am in the Sahara of Northern California in the mountains, and it's dry. <laughs> wow, well, I know. But I'd forgotten about her until uh, a friend of mine, Natalie, had shared that she was doing her money coaching. And I was like, huh? Because I think I'm going to jump into that and integrate that into a lot of the work I do this year. But anyways, Kendall was talking about she chooses a money word every year. And I think she's got a process for doing it. But she suggested the first word that comes to mind, and it's one word, not a phrase or a sentence, but it's one word. And that word for me was ease, which is something I want across all areas of my life and also will play a huge part in the thing I've teased and we'll be sharing at the end of the episode. Um, You might be thinking this is something that most people want. And to a certain extent, I agree. Of course, more people of course, more people, of course, most people want more ease in their life. Who who wouldn't? And there's a difference between easy and ease. You know, easy things I think are autopilot. Like, I don't know. I think of easy as, yeah, I got that done, right? Ease is more of a state of being. It's a feeling. And the crazy thing is that more often than not, most people don't want to change or do anything to achieve it. Because to get to the ease, there's there's a path, there's work involved, there's hard decisions that have to be made. And my therapist share, shared recently that she had been reading something and it was, there's a data stat here. So it wasn't like just an opinion piece, right? Um, but that 90% of people don't want to change, which is a little mind blowing for me. When you're hardwired and When you're hardwired to want to be the best version of yourself or, you know, like me, I have literally spent the last 30 years constantly immersing myself in learning and growing. It's a really hard concept to grasp that somebody just like, this is it. This is me. This is it. I'm done. I don't think that's a, a conscious thought though, you know, and at the same time, I get it. Unless you've realized that there's a new way or another way to do things, meaning there's actually another way to live. There's another way to be, to feel, to earn, to communicate, to hear, to experience. How do you even know it's possible? And so this is why I've started signing off my emails, like broadcast emails, to stay curious. You know, because when you're curious, it's, there's more. So I was listening to other podcasts. I, I do listen to a lot of audio, as you can well tell. And um, what was one of the things? It was it was an, a money podcast, and she was saying, and I think she said she took this from Marie Forleo, but she was talking about every time she spends money, it's well, there's more where that came from. There's more where that came from. Stop to think about that phrase. Now, you guys, I'm just play along with me, right? Like, close your eyes and think about the fact. I'm literally closing my eyes as I record this. But if you were to stop every time you took out your debit card or your credit card and you and you made a purchase paid a bill, whatever it is, 
And your first thought was, oh, there's more where that came from. And then the next thing this gal does is she pictures that being deposited into her account. And I get it. A lot of people are like, ah, whoa, whoa. What is this manifesting law of attraction stuff? I don't care, you guys. It friggin' works. I shared uh, recently that (laughs) in my crazy mood, right, when I was ranting to myself and I decided to take responsibility for how I was feeling, I did this and I put on Let It Go. I listened to that twice this morning, you guys. (laughs) Yes, the Disney song from Frozen, Let It Go, because it doesn't do us any good. And if we're not conscious and making a real effort to control our thoughts, then we we end up on this autopilot life where we think everything is permanent and we can't change and there's not a what another way to do things. And I'm here to tell you that there is. Doesn't mean it's smooth, easy, effortless. You know, I guess unless you hit the lottery, which I can only imagine more problems of a different kind come along with that. But, you know, there there is always another way to approach things, okay, which covers a lot of that stuff. I mean, it really is mind-blowing for me. And most entrepreneurs I know are curious. This is kind of back to my stay curious. You know, they want to do something different or they wouldn't be in business for themselves. And now even the different looks different. So what I mean by that is, was it? I don't know. But I've said this before, that what I wanted my life to look like 10 years ago looks completely different to what I want my life to look like today. So 10 years ago, let's see. Okay, it's 43. And I hadn't sold the house that I raised my kids in. My mom hadn't passed away. I hadn't gone through all these strifes with my son, challenges. I hadn't lived in Idaho. Um, RIP Idaho, please, young women. Uh, don't go to school there. Anyways, that was a sorry political opinion. Um, it, it, yeah, Twilight Zone. Enough of that. But I hadn't lived in Idaho. I hadn't moved to Costa Rica. I hadn't met all these people that are near and dear to me. So you think about, you know, 10 years ago and who I've become through those experiences. Of course, I want things to look differently. And I also believe this. I cannot speak for men. So this is not a a male, female thing, right? But um, the... Most women my age, actually, I would say most women over 40 hit this point. And it's like, I'm tired of doing, I'm tired of doing everything for everybody else, which you guys, I know these are generalizations, right? But in Western culture, we are wired to be care provider, caregivers, providers, doing for others, selfless, a whole bunch of stuff, right? It, it And <laughs> like it or not, I love the Barbie movie, but that monologue that America Ferreira gives is is brilliant. And so most women I know that hit 40, it's like, what about me? And it is, I don't know, I don't think it's selfish. I think it is selfless to not put yourself, it's not self, how do I want to say this? If you're not selfish, you're selfless. And you being selfless doesn't serve anyone. But anyway, let me let me try to get back on track here. Um, this comes back to being curious, right? We want to stay curious. And that different, what we want at different stages of our life and business are going to look different. Not to mention, you know, 10 years ago, we hadn't been through a pandemic. And the nonsense that's happening in many political systems across the world, okay? And Let's go back to now ease and how it translates to money. 
For as long as I can remember, money has felt hard for me. My parents raised my brother and sister and I with incredible work ethics. My first job, besides babysitting, was um, a paper route at 14. (laughs) And I think I've shared this story. A kid on my swim team bet me that I wouldn't last two weeks, so I had to last a year. Now, remember, I'm going to share something with you. One is that I was a freshman in high school when I did this. Okay, so what was that, 84 or whatever? And so let, let's think back to the 80s and hair. And you guys see, I've got a lot of hair, right? So, and the crazy thing is, my hair is naturally curly and I permed that shit. Oh my Lord. Anyways, but so I was up at five o'clock to deliver the papers on my bike because then I had to go home and get ready and do my hair. And I did it for a year. I mean, you know, and then it was like, as soon as I could, I was so excited. Like at 15 and a half, I could get a work permit. And you guys, my parents worked full time. I didn't really have rides to work. I figured it out though. It's just crazy when you think about it. I was so excited though to get a job. Anyways, and that, and there's something to be said for a solid, strong work ethic. So I'm not negating that. But I had no other concept of earning or having money other than you attained money through hard work. And no one taught us or my parents about compound interest, investments, and the role money played in our lives. And here I am at 53 doing this massive deep dive on all of this. And it's not that these are no new concepts to me at this stage in my life, but I guess we don't get it until we get it. You know, when I had a job, I maxed out my 401k and I did all the things and that I was supposed to do. But, you know, especially not having anyone, the one person who had a business, well, two people. So my great, I mean, my great uncle. Yes, my grandmother's brother. I had to do the math there. Owned laundry. Uh, why am I saying laundry shop? It, it is, why am I, why am I a laundromat? <laughs> oh, good Lord. Um, laundromats and did a lot of investing. And then my, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, bought the, he was a plumbing contractor and he bought the shop from his father-in-law. And so, but other than that, but there was no discussion of self-employment or business. And as much as my parents have supported me, they weren't there to guide me into any of this. And unless you see that there's another way to do things, or you have a strong enough why for making change, it's probably not going to happen. And, you know, when I, I talked about this in a couple episodes too, where I was saying that, you know, I've been talking about money and working with my therapist for, <laughs> since we started doing work in 2011. And, you know, before then it was primarily grief counseling and whatnot, but, <clears throat> excuse me, I kept looking for this external thing or, or this like, when's something going to click? When, when is there going to be this lightning bolt moment? And I've had that now, but the truth is, we don't always get that. In some situations and some and some circumstances, we're going to have those moments. But for the most part, it's small, consistent behavioral change that creates new habits, that creates new behaviors that make the difference. And so I'm grateful that it feels like finally everything has clicked into place. But the two things that shifted it for me, again, when my therapist said to me in October um, of 2023 that I needed to stop being a victim when it comes to money which was an ouch, but also a F yes, right? A huge amen. The other one is listening to Tori Dunlap's Financial Feminist. She has her first 100K. You can dig into that. 
age 9 to 30, had her first $100,000 in the bank at 25 and is a multimillionaire. And all of these things, guys, are not coming from, it's kind of like Ramit Sethi, who I adore. It's not a get rich quick or make millions on the internet or whatever. It's here's how you can get your money to work for you. Here's how you can change the narrative around money. Here are, here's education, here's strategy. But here's the crazy thing. When I heard Tori Dunlap say that the best way to fight the patriarchy was for women to be financially independent and earn lots of money, it was like, hell yes, girl. Hell yes. You know, that as soon as, God, what, what did I watch? Um, um, oh, there were clips on TikTok of clips from, it was Florence Pugh, I think, from the last movie, Little Women. And it's it's nuts when you think about the fact that was, I don't know what, I don't remember what year that was said in, right? But a long time ago. And she said, the bottom line is, as a woman, I'm property. If I have, if I, if I find, if I have money and I get married, my money is my husband's. If I have children, my children become his children. At anything that I do is there's, there's no freedom. And that's really... <laughs> what has happened for women. And so this resonated very deeply for me. And what what I realized was that it was the benefit and the power of reframing things. And so learning to reframe our thoughts and beliefs is one of the most powerful things you can do. It also comes back to taking complete and total responsibility of everything in your life. And that episode is actually 125, if you want to listen to it. This is ultimate freedom. And I'm just going to reiterate that you are not responsible for what happens to you. You are responsible for how you respond and the choice you make with your actions based on now, what do I do with this? Now that this has happened to me, now that this has occurred, who do I choose to be? How do I, how do I choose to move through the world? And my first introduction to this was many years ago when I heard Dr. Wayne Dyer, God rest his soul, say, Change your thoughts, change your life. He's got an incredible book, same name. Um, if you've never listened to him and you're interested in this stuff, he is, I don't know, he's hysterical too. He's funny. I feel like I've got history lessons from him, spiritual lessons, psychology. I just, I adored the man. And, but change your thoughts, change your life. It sounds so simple, but it's true. And the beauty that I love about all of this is neuroscience is supporting those things. Uh, and there's tons of books on Amazon that can help you with this. And I'm going to give you some examples of reframing. And we're going to talk specifically about business and email. This is all connected, okay? Um, there's tons of books on Amazon that can help with this. Or you can find an amazing mentor like I have. And by the way, if you look for a therapist or a mentor, and there's a there's not this connection, you don't feel that it's a safe space, it's a right space for you, bounce, you guys. You don't know anybody, anything. If it doesn't feel right, keep looking. There are way too many good people out there that you can work with. And also a quick Google search of best book on reframing thoughts and beliefs, and you're off to the races. There's plenty. All right, so how do you reframe your thoughts and beliefs in your business? The simplest way to do this, or to start, is to take inventory. And you guys, please, I, I just, <laughs> I am begging everybody out there. This does not have to become a week-long, I need to rent a cabin in the woods and have pen and paper. And I love my colored pens and paper and all that, but it doesn't have to be that difficult. Take a walk and record, what do I want to change? And run with what hits you. But make a list of the things that you want to change in your business. Things that you know that if you worked on would make a difference. And one of the best examples, and one I've heard so many times or a variation thereof is, I'm not a good writer. I don't like writing. I don't want to write. 
And at the risk of sounding like a completely heartless human, if that's the cross that you're willing to die on, then you probably shouldn't have an online business. I I don't care what niche or market you're in or what your skill set is. You can't grow an online business without writing. It is email, copy, content, scripts, podcast. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is a skill. And, and if you've got deep pockets and you can keep hiring writers until you find the one that works with you, go for it. But you still have to be able to clearly convey what you do, who you serve, the problems you solve, and what your business is about. And too many people pick buzzwords. You know, I know somebody that keeps throwing the word conversion into everything. And I'm like, do you, I, I don't think you're using this correctly because it sounds like a keyword or a buzzword. And that happens a lot, right? So anyway, neither here nor there. You cannot grow an online business without writing. So you have to do the difficult thing and practice. You have to start writing, take a course, create content, and pick a social platform where you can be consistent, where you're willing to be consistent. And I'm going to share another little uh, Susanism therapist mentor friend that says, are you willing to be open to learning to write? Okay, I got that a lot before I was finally like, okay, now I feel like you've been asking me if I'm willing to be open about this for two years, and I feel like a dill hole. So it's time to shit or get off the pot. (laughs) That's my self deprecating self. But my self deprecating self, that was a good that was a good phrase. But you know, a belief I've had for far too long is that I don't like doing Facebook ads. Okay, here's another example. And I should say, I don't like being the one to create, set up and manage Facebook ads. I love Facebook ads. So I don't necessarily like doing the hard stuff that makes them work. But I love them. Okay, because I know firsthand, the power of being able to spend $1,000 and bring in 2000 that day, I will do that all day long. And of course, you start with five, $10 a day. But the point being, they work. And so I've had this belief that I don't enjoy them, that I don't like them. Well, nobody likes them until they start working. And the thing is, when I went through that, it was with a business partner and it was with agencies. And then we had another agency that could get results, but we weren't profitable. There's a big difference between being able to spend money to make money, but the profit margin is crap, right? And so I've had to make a conscious choice that I'm going to master them this year. As much as I love creating content, and I will continue to do, paid traffic is like pouring gas on a fire. And the fun thing about this is it's like I am picking it and sticking it, i.e. picking one thing and going to get it working, going to get it working, going to get it working, okay? And this also means ease. The ease is the end goal, and paid traffic is the means to that goal. So while you know, it may not be easy while I'm doing it. And it's probably not going to be as easy as I'd like. Side note, also a belief. So maybe I should stop saying that. Let's just say that at least it's going to be fun. And I feel that between Laurel Portier and Amanda Bond, I have found the mentors that are going to get me there. Um, But eventually, it will be easy. And this also means having a well-oiled machine running in the background that drives traffic leads and sales. So I want you to stop and think about it. Stop and think that if you knew, knew, okay, and let, let's do a, um, a range. But if you knew that you had a product that, that solved problems that resonated with your ideal customer and that by spending, if you could, if I said, Look, are you willing to spend $5,000 a month 
on paid traffic, knowing that you will average between eight and $10,000 a month in sales. Would you do it? Of course you would. Here's the deal. One, not all, there's profit there, right? So you're saying, okay, what is that like? Three to $5,000 profit before any expenses, yes. So gross. At the same time, you are growing a list of paying customers. Okay, so, and that's the gold. That's where email marketing comes into all of this. So that's where picking one primary marketing objective and why it should be email. Okay, this is, all of this ties into, to the why, why you should pick one and why it should be email. All right, so let's jump into making email your one primary marketing objective. So another thing I've said many, many times, I need to find a way to, or maybe I don't, maybe I just need to keep saying it and you guys will have known I've already said it. (laughs) But my biggest regret, excuse me, in my business is not starting email marketing sooner. I started my business in 2008 and it wasn't until 2016 that I made the decision that I was going to figure it out. Kind of like paid traffic, right? You see that, maybe I'm a slow learner, but you see the parallels here? had to wet my whistle there. You guys, best thing ever. There are plenty of nuances and ways that I can that I can prove, right? The email that I'm already doing. And so it's always something I'm working on. I've also had different times in my life since 2016 that personally affected the way I was able to show up. So no biggie, life happens. Once you have the skill and you understand the power of email marketing, you can pick up when you need to. So let, let's decide. Okay, let, let's do this collectively as a group. I feel like I'm preachy today. Am I preachy? That's okay. But as a group, that it's okay to mess up. It's okay to drop the ball. It's okay to make mistakes. Apologize and move on. Don't keep reiterating it. You don't need to. Um, I used to do this like, oh, I'm sorry, I haven't heard from me in a while. It's like, no, I just jump back in. Unless I, it's been too long or I feel the need to share. Um, Because I care about my subscribers. I care about my audience. And at the same time, you don't owe anybody anything. So start where you are, okay? Um, But just know that you can do yourself a favor and and just let it slide. Even if you've been MIA, it's okay. Get back at it. All the activities that you're doing online should lead to this one primary marketing objective. So here's what I mean. Podcasting, include a call to action for people to get on your list. And yes, I know I haven't been doing this consistently because I'm working on a new lead magnet, but I have been asking for reviews in Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done that, please do. Um, YouTube, include a call to action and a link in the description. Social profiles, all your links should lead to your primary opt-in. Social content, wherever you include a link to your content, make sure that your content has an opt-in. Now, obviously, all social content doesn't have have a link, right? There's there's, there's, uh, organic content where your goal is for visibility and engagement. And I'm not necessarily interested in vanity metrics with growing followers, but if you can grow the right audience on the platforms, then ideally you convert those to email subscribers. And I get it that this seems like the, the long play, and it is. It just is what it is. But this is where you add paid traffic when you have the rest figured out. Or if you've got this initial piece, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, figured out, start with paid traffic. But I don't think we're at a ploy, a point, a place, a point, <laughs> P-L-O-I-N-T, 
Anyway, I don't think we're at a point where you don't have to do both if you want to attain a certain level of income, subscriber, all those things, right? In order to grow, there is this more marketing and traffic that has to happen. And you know what? Off script here. Excuse me. But I was thinking about this today, like this, there's this petulantness. Is that a word? Petulantness of people? I don't want to do that. Or I don't want to be there. Like it's this pissiness. Well, I don't like social. Or again, I don't, I don't like writing. I don't want to do emails. I don't want to create content. Well, then don't, but get what you get. Like you think back to businesses, what business thinks they don't have to market when think pre-internet, what brick and mortar business thinks they don't need to ask for referrals. They don't need to ask for the sale. They didn't need to do billboards or newspaper ads or yellow pages. You have to get your business in front of people, time or money. Ideally both, both when you can swing it, right? Okay. And rant number 452 for this episode. (laughs) Um, But social content, again, make sure that all your content has an opt-in in it. Blog posts on your own site, Medium, Ghost, Substack, Beehive, whatever. They should all have a link to your primary opt-in. And even if you're on Substack, um, Substack or Medium or Beehive, where you can ask people to subscribe via those platforms, I still would throw out lead magnets to make sure, because all of this is data, guys. So you may get somebody who's interested in a newsletter based on the copy or the content, but until you say, hey, would you like this thing I have that's specific to YouTube or it's specifically um, about podcasting, you don't know what their interest levels are. You're just getting that broad, which is where tools like Write Message and Segmentation and Surveys all come into play. Anyways, I'm probably missing something there, but you get the point. As I was writing this episode, um, I actually reached out to a dear friend who does social media for clients and she teaches it, um, et cetera. And I asked her if she had any sort of social media audit. I haven't heard back from her. I'm sure she does. But then I was like, well, let's just, there's got to be something free out there. And there was. So I have a link in the post in the show notes, or you can Google it. Um, but Hootsuite has an article that says how to run the easiest social media audit. It's a free template. So I've linked that in the show notes. But just do this this broad opt-in. Like, I know you guys, like, my Instagram, everything needs updating. Well, I shouldn't say everything. Most, so I know YouTube needs a little bit of updating since I'm going to start putting the podcast on and, and additional content. But Instagram eh, is dated. That needs a massive refresh. But so be it. Do an audit of the platforms where you're going to be sharing content and look at what you need to update and ideally, they're all going back to one thing. So I, um, did I share this? I don't know if I did, but so I have a, a VA that works with me um, for high level, which is where I put my funnels and my courses and the community. And I don't think I'm going to have my head wrapped around that till the end of this year, probably. Um, but, and that's fine. But so I didn't have a lot of high level tasks. We have moved all of my courses into to high level. She's created the automation. Everything is done. Now I have a list of things that I have to do. So I went through and I had her. I said, can you do me a favor and go through each product and write down product, costs, upsell, funnel, automation, price, email sequence, and tell me what needs to be done with all of those. So while the course itself may be over there, I've got work to do. Anyway, what was my point in telling you that? Oh, good Lord. Why was I telling you that? VA, thank you. 
So um, I don't have, she's just waiting on me for additional stuff in high level. So I thought, okay, I asked her, I said, can you do me a favor? Go through all of my newsletters that have been published on the website. And we started with, remember I was, it was F the Hustle for a long time. And I said, can you take all the F the Hustle episodes, swap the opt-in in the post so it says the spark, do a line of text at the very top of the post that says F the hustle has now become the spark. So she did that. Now she's going through all my blog posts and making sure there's a clear call to action for the spark. So my, I, I'm looking at going, okay, some of my next tasks. So I'm going to ask her if she can then start putting a lot of the newsletters and previous podcast episodes and whatnot into medium for me and making sure there's a call to action to subscribe. So this stuff is tedious. But so in some ways, if you're getting started, you're ahead of the game a little bit because you can set these as a precedence. But either way, you know, this might be the scenario of which came first, the chicken or the egg, but you should have a current lead magnet, a follow up sequence, and a low front end offer in place when you start this process, meaning when you do this social media audit, and you're going to put a link in your bio, have one link that goes everywhere, it, it should be to something current. And uh, the other side note to this is I would create a UTM, UTM tag parameter. And so if you just Google how to create a UTM tag, I think they're called tags. Um, but that way you can, I would create separate links well, I would create a link for LinkedIn. I would create one for Instagram. On, so you can see, which mind you, if you've got analytics in place, you're going to be able to see where these subscribers are coming from, which is kind of gold. Beehive does do that. Linked uh, convert kit might, but I, I downgraded from their advanced analytics. But either way, you know, ideally you do have something current in place. That being said, if you have something you can use now, like a newsletter that serves the same audience, don't wait until you have all this in place, meaning it doesn't do any good. Like I deleted a ton of WordPress posts a few years ago, God, five years ago when I switched to my personal brand. But if I had some WordPress lead magnet, right, if I had some PDF and audio or video or something that was specific to when I was a WordPress chick, that would not make sense for the people I'm trying to serve today. So all that being said, start where you are with what you have. Okay, this doesn't have to be, again, you don't need to go off into a cabin in the woods where nobody talks to you and interrupts you for a week to get work done. You don't. Because first of all, how many of us would go do that and be like, okay, I need to sleep for a day or two first, or I just need to check out. Anyways, but there's a lot of factors that make all of this up, right? So don't worry if it takes you longer than you'd like. So I could probably do a lead magnet email sequence opt-in. I could get that done in a day. But I, I'm still working on the, once I had um, the idea for the lead magnet, this is, I'm going a lot deeper with everything is content, this 2.0 version. And so like I have created an ebook and now I'm editing the ebook and then I'm going to record it on audio and then I'm going to do a video. And so there, there's all these pieces that come into play. Um, but don't worry, just commit to doing it and ideally set a deadline. I am a huge fan of accountability, which is why I make announcements or I share with people who will be direct with me. And full transparency. Have I dropped the ball even then? Absolutely. I don't know what to tell you. I'm human. But the best way to start this is to keep it simple. And then here's the big caveat is that you have to be patient. Create the process for ongoing sharing, 
publishing and promoting, and then pay attention to what's working. Even if you only have three people on your email list, you need to start emailing. Those three people gave you their name and email, and they matter. And, you know, I remember my um, therapist saying to me, because I've also talked to her about, well, just pretty much everything, but being frustrated with my weight. And she said, and she said to me, Kim, if you can't love your body today, what makes you think you're going to be able to love it then? And we have this backwards mentality of, well, I'm, I'm frustrated or I'm happy because I don't have this or, or I need, I need more income. When I have more money, then I'll be happy. It doesn't work that way, guys. And there's science behind that also. But the point is start where you are with what you have today. Don't overthink it. Just get started. And the thing is, you can also be transparent. You know, let the people on your list know that you're newish to email marketing and you'd love their feedback. You're going to make mistakes. Links are not going to work. You'll have misspellings or grammatical errors. Note to self. I sent out a broadcast email yesterday. First time I didn't send a preview. I'm like, ha, done. I just was on autopilot. I read it in my inbox. And I'm like, that sentence didn't make that much sense because I didn't edit myself. Um, but we all do this, you guys. And you just learn that it's part of being online. It's part of running an online business. There's going to be stuff happens. Power is going to go out in the middle of a webinar, whatever it is. Excuse me, it's going to happen. Um, and, you know, this is also why it's a very good, uh, it's good to test, send a test email, excuse me, to yourself. Um and honestly, wouldn't you rather learn as you go with a small list than a big list? And you guys, I know I keep saying list, but I really want to remove the hangups we have over some of the words that feel trite or overused. Email marketing is a database of potential customers, right? However you need to reframe it. These are people that you can create a relationship with. These are people that you can serve. And, you know, there are a lot of people. I know there are plenty of people on my list that probably will never buy from me. But for whatever reason, I resonate with them. They like who I am, what I what I talk about, how I move through the world, and that's fine. The fact that I can bring a smile to someone makes my day or can connect at a heart level. You just, you have no idea the difference or the impact you can have simply by showing up. All right, so here is the magic of email marketing and the ease it creates. You guys, there is nothing, and I mean nothing, that beats sending an email and making sales especially when you're off doing other things. Like who doesn't love seeing an email that says notification of payment in their inbox? You guys, it's, it's, it's the dream, right? It's the internet goal is to get is that passive income. And I'm not here to argue passive income because there's a lot of work that goes into creating that and maintaining it. So neither here nor there. Um, here's some other ways I want you to think about email marketing. And I really hope I've sold you on it by the end of this episode. If not, there's more coming (laughs) because it's it's a core component of my business. So one is that email is a relationship builder. Not every email has to sell. The more often you email, I am a fan of almost daily emails, um, the more your subscribers are going to feel like they know you. And girl, girl, you guys, sorry, I talked all my girlfriends, girl, my poor dad, I've done this to him before. I'm like, girl, and then, you know, anyways. Um, but <clears throat> I've sent plenty of emails where I'm just sharing a link to an article or an update and I'm not anti-selling at all and I'm not anti-selling every day. Um, there are some people I know that send two and three emails a day all the time and that's not my MO, but do you. 
you do your audience, you show up in whatever way works for you. I think there are guides and, and good rules to follow, but it's you and your relationship. And so if you listen to one of the last few episodes, I really talked about using your voice. And it was the last episode, I think. And I'm, I'm challenging you to stand up and do what you want to do in a way that works for you. There are fundamentals, like fundamental guides and strategies and rules that will apply to human behavior and, and copywriting and marketing, but something doesn't feel right, don't do it. I just, I really believe that. Anyways, okay. Email is also content. <clears throat> I have pl- published plenty of podcasts, podcast broadcast. You guys, this is right in front of me. It's a good thing we're winding down. But um, tons of those, I call them solo emails, those broadcast emails that aren't a part of a sequence and aren't a newsletter, um, or I call them story-based emails as blog posts. And then I create a social campaign around that post. And because they're story-based, it's a little bit more of an insider connection to me. Email also keeps you top of mind. You guys probably experienced this at the beginning of this year too. Like how many times have you unsubscribed from an email that you've gotten a list because it's been so long since you heard from the sender that you don't know who they are or remember ever signing up. And if you've been this sender, because I am I know in my WordPress check days, <laughs> it's getting harder to talk. This is nuts. What is it? 315? Ooh, that was a good reminder. I almost forgot my T's. But just move on, right? Like I'm not saying to not acknowledge it, And maybe you start off with, hey, I know it's been a long time and bear with me. Here's where I've been. Here's what I've been doing. And this is where I'm going. I hope you choose to stay on the journey with me. If not, then I wish you the best and everything. Whatever. Like, don't personalize it. Anyways. um, And the last piece of, uh, which is, remember, these are different ways to think about email, which was relationship building. It's also content. It keeps you top of mind. And the last one is that it's a great testing ground. Once you've found a consistent email rhythm that works for you in your list, start asking questions, create polls, ask for feedback. It's also a great way to test the content your subscribers like the most. I've shared this before too. Oh my gosh, I must have pre-qualified like eight things that I've shared before today. Anyway, um, in my newsletter, when it was F the Hustle, I was including links to books. I was doing two tools, two books, two or I don't know what it was. Nobody was clicking on the books. I'm like, fine then. So I ditched the books because that still takes me time. And I added two more tools. I know. I already know you guys love tools. I do too, right? So it's it's just kind of a fun, it's like, it's like the entrepreneurial toy. As long as it doesn't derail you or take you out of focus, give yourself time to play with tools, whatever. It's fine. Um, But truly, email marketing is traffic you control, unlike paid traffic, which we can't control that. Yes, you can get them working and running, but we can't control if they're going to up their costs or whatnot. And I think Russell Brunson was the one who said this. It's in his Traffic Secrets book. Um, Love him or hate him. He is a great marketer. And unlike the social media platforms, which here's a funny thing, you guys, and I almost did an email or article or podcast on this, all the social media platforms suck to a certain degree. They just do, meaning they all have issues. Who owns them, how they're run, privacy, algorithm changing their mind, copying somebody else, whatever, right? But flip that and look at email. You get to control the narrative and the relevancy with email. So I look at social now and I I keep reframing. That's it. I have to just keep reframing. And I'm like, it's just part of doing business online. 
And we'll see. We'll see which ones stick around for me or not. Um, I don't see any like going by the wayside, at least not this year. Doesn't mean they won't. But I mean, who would have ever thought TikTok would give YouTube a run for its money, right? I know they're different beasts too, but you you get my point. The other piece of this, and this was in a recent uh, Russell Brunson podcast, which I hadn't even thought of, but we're entering an election year in the United States. Like we have entered it, but I would knock on wood. I don't know if I have any around me, but we have not. The chaos has not begun yet, but we're probably going to see an increase in paid traffic costs to some point, right? At least based on previous years. And so do everything you can do now to make sure you've built a solid foundation for your business so that if it if ad costs go up and that's something you're doing, you know, you don't lose your shirt. Email marketing needs to be a part of all of this, right? It, it just should be everything you do should be, I just want to get the name and email address of somebody who I can help, I can build a relationship with, and whose problems I can solve, and I can have some fun. And I know that on average, when I send an email, I can make a dollar per subscriber, which is the rule, okay? Um, it, it's just nothing beats it, you guys. So here's my email marketing plan for 2024. One more wet the whistle, and we're just about done. The broadcast email that I sent this week that was <laughs> the grammatical error and the nonsensical sentence, um, but is that I have decided I'm going to make the move from ConvertKit to Beehive for everything. Jason Resnick, who is a brilliant wizard. So when you need, he's got an incredible course, you guys, it's called Creator Quick Start and it will apply across the board. It's it's set up for ConvertKit right now, but you can apply the same principles to ActiveCampaign, to Drip, and he will I believe be doing a version uh, for Beehive this year, but you know he talks to a lot of these email guys, i.e., the founders at Beehive, and so there's stuff coming that is is you're going to be able to treat it like a full blown ESP email service provider. And I know a lot of people that have done the same thing with Substack; they've moved all their email to Substack. So it's a different time, you guys. But anyway, so my goal is to move from ConvertKit to Beehive, and I talked all about that. And it's a blog post on the site, and it was. My email wish is coming true. Thank you, Beehive. Um, all right, so making that move. Next is the new lead magnet and follow-up sequence for everything is content. I don't know if I'm going to use the 2.0. I don't know. We'll see. Um, continue with the weekly edition of The Spark on Thursday, which, you guys, I am... What I published last week? 167? I am I have not missed a week. I, I'm quite proud of myself. Uh, but I'm going to add in two weekend editions a month that are going to be a little bit deeper dive into something. I don't totally know what that looks like yet, but um, I want to do a weekend edition. Pre and post marketing for each issue of the newsletter for lead gen. Justin Welsh, I have his content OS and he's got a great system for this. I just need to get off my, get off my ass and do it. Um, start adding in more conditional personalization as available in Beehive. What does that mean? So the personalization that I primarily do are like, you know, if I've got a tag, I only send to this list or I do high first name, which ConvertKit does a lot more. Um, you need to do it with liquid and code snippets. But so basically you can say, um, and Jason, you guys, is the one who teaches me all of this stuff. So get his stuff. I'll link to Creator Quick Start in the, it's a self-paced course and he just keeps making it better, but I'll link to it in the podcast. Um, or go to nurturekit.co and you can sign up there. Oh, wait. Yeah, it is .co. Oh, yeah, it's .co. Um, but uh, 
as an example, you know, if you if you survey, so I ask a question when people opt in, like, tell me which describes you best. Are you a small business, an agency, a creator? I don't remember. It might just be three. And then like, what type of content do you like to consume or do you create the most? Podcasts, posts, video, whatever. So those create unique, they're actually called custom fields, but I could segment, I could create a segment of people that are creators who have podcasts. Okay. And so based on that, I could write one email and I swap out the code. So it says, look, I know that you're a X and you create X, right? So I know you're a creator who who creates podcasts. So there's, there's a lot of ninja stuff you can do, but honestly, get Jason's Creator Quick Start because you'll get the fundamentals in place. So that's where I'm at. So it's like, okay, make this move. And what I talked about in doing this is making sure, like, I'm not changing the opt-ins. I use ConvertBox, so I should just be able to change the code, the connection in ConvertBox, and it should update all the opt-ins on my site, okay? But it's making sure those automations and then creating the right segments and then saying, where do I have opportunities? And that's where somebody like Jason comes into play. Anyways, okay, that was a long, crazy story. Uh, I'm going to start adding, I already did that one. Okay, implement a paid traffic campaign for the new lead magnet. I'm going to find and connect with other female marketers who serve the same audience. And my goal is to do one or two email swaps a month. And I'm going to test running a giveaway. So that's just the initial plan. It's it's my core marketing though, you guys. But the bigger the list, the better the better the results, right? But it's not just about a big list because you could don't don't buy lists. I don't even know if that's doable. If legally anymore. But you can buy you can buy ads and newsletters. There's a lot of stuff. So you can spend money to grow your list for sure. Don't do lead ads on Facebook. The the quality, those subscribers are crap. They're cheap leads. But why pay for them on your with your email service provider if they're never going to convert and open? So test. But either way, so this is kind of my, I, I would say this is really the first quarter plan. Um, I really don't have an exact plan on what it looks like, meaning I'm not stopping everything I'm doing. I can't implement all of this immediately. The, the move to Beehive, there are three phases. And um, I also talked about those in the blog post. Um, and of course, with technology, you never know, will it or will it not be smooth? And uh, knock on, you know, proverbial wood. Oh, wait, there's a ledge here. I'll knock on that in a minute. <laughs> the windowsill. Um, I could run into something that it's like, this really is not worth doing, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, meaning I would stick with ConvertKit. Um and right now I'm just finishing up the new everything is content lead magnet. So the bottom line is if you're new to email marketing, instead of creating a massive plan, how about how about you create a starting plan? Start here plan. First things first, I got to email my list. Okay, if you have a list, I don't care if it's two or 20,000, and you haven't emailed in a while, just you got to rip the bandaid off. Okay, the only place it's painful is in your head. And I know I've shared this because it's the most ridiculous, but it's pretty damn funny thing I've ever said. When I was in Idaho uh, for that year, my therapist was stuck in Costa Rica and um, we, (laughs) we went deep with a bunch of stuff, one of which was sexuality. And I remember saying to myself one time when I was doing, I was following Ramit Sethi's breakthrough launch. It was a sales sequence. And man, I worked at that. And I was like, girl, if you can talk to Susan about this, you can send an email, (laughs) right? Like 
Nobody's, the computer's not, nobody's going to come through the computer and slap you across the face because you sent an email. Will you get unsubscribes? Sure. Bless them and move on. All right. Pick three things you know will make a difference and start. Right? So it's send an email and, and share it as an experiment. You guys, I'm stepping back into this. You know, I would love for you to be on this journey with me. If not, click the link at the bottom of the page, whatever. Um, but start emailing and make sure that you have the a right lead magnet that talks to your ideal customer and subscriber that you can build a relationship and, and make an offer to. Um, and then get that stuff running, get that stuff working. Because from there, then you test and tweak. Don't add anything else till this beginning funnel process, whatever is working. And don't jump ship this, this promise of, you know, I, I shared also, um, what's it, uh, Andre Chaperone, that there was a $1.1 million launch. And really, the creator walked away with like $42,000. Well, what the what the amount of work that goes into a launch? I, that's a hard pass, right? So be patient, let this stuff grow and, and get the roots anchored in there. Let everything really create a solid foundation before you add anything else, get this working. Anyways, um, you know, with the changes in focus in my own business, I know there's going to be things I'm doing this year that are tests. And ideally, one by one, I will remove the things I don't enjoy and or are not bringing me the ROI that I had hoped for, because I don't have any desire to be on every platform all the time, having conversations, like, I just want to be on a few, I want to create content, and I want paid traffic that works so that... I can have the quality of life that I want, I can have the ease in my life that I want, and I can spend time doing things offline. Uh, which, regardless of what I remove, email marketing will always be my primary marketing objective. And you know what, you guys, I almost forgot, but I didn't. So here's the tease. Oh, sorry if you're watching the video, I just had to do a little refresh. Um, it looks like I'm seriously considering moving back to Costa Rica this summer. It has uh, been a great year back with family. Um, California will always be home. But besides the cost of living, that, I mean, sure, comes into a, a key play. But here's the thing. If there was a place that I, which one, I don't like Southern California, other than the fact that my daughter's there. And yes, there's some nice places, but there's too many people. <laughs> there's too many people in this damn state. There's almost 40 million people. Last night... I took my dad to a doctor's appointment. He had to have this laser thing done, so I had to drive him home. Um, and he is looking at, I'm, I'm grateful he's looking at downsizing and selling this house because it's too far away. There's too much to maintain here. And he knew I wasn't, this was not a permanent situation. But so we went to Sacramento and I was like, oh, God, there's so many people here. In the greater Sacramento area, did it say there's like 1.4 million people? Just in the greater Sacramento area, you guys. It's just gross. Like, I don't commute. I don't deal with traffic. I don't like it. And the, the truth is, you know, I'm planning to set my business up. So as opposed to going back and forth, you know, half the year here, half the year there, which is a lot of Canadians do that because to keep your healthcare in Canada, you can't be gone for more than six months. But I'm like, I'll keep my healthcare here. And maybe Costa Rica is my home base, at least until my daughter is, you know, settled somewhere and maybe has kids, whatever. But 
she's even talking about leaving the country after graduate school. So um, my intention is just to be able to fly back whenever I want for whatever I want. But I loved the ease of my life. Having been back in Costa Rica, um, having been back for the full holiday season this year, it was it was just a lot. And I love the holidays, but I was, you know, getting in and I was here for 10 days. And then I was like squeezing everybody and loving everybody and seeing who I could and busy, busy. busy. And then I was out. But feeling this and just I, I shared last week too, um, you know, having been down to the Bay Area every single month since I've been back, which it's a two hour drive each way. Um, and then I started thinking, well, where else would I want to be? I was looking at Auburn, which I've got a dear friend in Auburn, and it's above Sacramento, kind of below Lake Tahoe. But I was like, you guys, what I'd have to pay to be in a place that I wanted, it's, I don't want to. There's nowhere here that I love that much that I don't care if I'm making 50 grand a month. I go, yeah, it's worth it. I love how I feel in Costa Rica. Um, I had hip surgeries as a kid. And so when it gets really cold, my hips hurt and nothing hurts me in Costa Rica, you guys. My feet hurt before Costa Rica, meaning I had had bunion surgery, I had plantar fasciitis. <laughs> Welcome to being over 50 and listing ailments. But, you know, from all the years I spent in retail on my feet, I could not wear flip-flops other than like to go to a dinner where my the only walking was getting out of the car and going into a restaurant. I lived in flip-flops in Costa Rica. My feet never hurt. So... Yeah, that's a that it hit me like a ton of bricks. I had this thought this week. I don't know what I was doing, but I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You could go back to Costa Rica. And it has lit a fire in me. So I will keep you posted on that status. And, you know, if that comes to fruition, my gut is telling me with most certainty that it probably will. Um, yeah. Here we go. Life is never dull, you guys. And that's the point where I was talking about earlier where we get to change our mind. We get to change our mind. We get to do what is right for us. Um, I know family and friends will be disappointed, um, but I have to live my truth and I have to live in a way that, you know, my peace of mind is non-negotiable. My well-being and my health, you know, I, I felt phenomenal down there. So anyways, yeah, I'll keep you posted. But that was my tease. So we shall see. Stay tuned. Um, I think I'll have more news on that maybe end of February or so. But um, yeah, good times, guys. And on that note, I think it's time to I turn the little heater off in my room. And with two pairs of socks and August slippers, my feet are freezing. Anyways, thank you as always for listening. I appreciate you. And if you've not done it, again, here's my request for a review in Apple Podcasts. Um, and stay tuned because I think next week I should have the call to action for the updated Everything is content. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening, and I will catch you next week.